are truly glorious. I pray that you would remove hearts that are, remove in us hearts that are just clinging to things that just fade away and enlarge our hearts to grand things, glorious things, things that pertain to eternal life, things that pertain to you, things that will give us joy forever, things that will change people's lives forever. I pray that we would care about our own spiritual life and souls, and we would care about sin, and we would hate it, and we care about living for you, and we'd care about knowing you and pleasing you and loving our parents and our siblings and our church and our neighbors and our friends and our distant family members. All these things that we could never ever muster up. We cannot flip a switch to feel a certain way. We ask that you would work. And God, this morning, I just bring all of these people to you. I pray that you would be with the spiritually new in this church that have been recently saved or new Christians. You would grow them, grow them deeply and richly and make they be discipled and may we do a good job of helping them grow. And I pray for those that are spiritually old, have been a Christian a long time. I pray that their maturity would be equal to the age of their being saved. And I pray that they would grow. Blessing that you've given for so long and they would steward that well. God, I pray that you would be with the spiritually immature in this church. They, maybe they've been a Christian a long time, but they've just not grown. I pray that you would help them to start to grow. I pray that they would have desires for you in new ways. I pray that they would love your word in new ways. They would, love to, they would grow to pray and to obey and to give and to serve and to overcome habits and sin in new ways. And I pray for the spiritually mature that they would continue to grow into deeper maturity and be really responsible with that maturity and disciple and love and give and glorify you. God, I pray that you would be with those that are new to this church. I pray that you would minister to them and I pray that they would be brought in and be made family and they would serve and they would bring a, a freshness and a zeal into this church that we need. And I pray that they'd be welcomed and loved and blessed. And I pray for the old timers of this church that we would bless them and be welcoming and loving and gracious and be ministered by the new and minister to the new, God. And I pray that you'd be with the children that are in this church, from the, whether they're in this morning service or the next or gone this weekend. I pray that every one of them would know personally relationship, not just for, because of, not just something borrowed from mom or dad or grandpa and grandma, but it would be real and deep and the convictions would go real. It wouldn't be their parents' faith. It would be theirs and they would know you and they would love you and they would live for you and they would learn this word and they it would be personal. And I pray that you'd be with the seniors, the elderly in this church. I pray that they would shine in their in their gray years. I pray that they would bring wisdom and grace. And I pray that you'd protect them against the temptations of age and complaining or just 
dealing with the losses in such difficult ways. Oh God, just help them. It is hard. And I just pray that you would, I thank you for the elderly in this church and how how much they bless me and bless us. And I just pray that you would just give them strength according to their years. I pray that they would, they would rise and show us what it looks like to age to the glory of God. And I thank you that so many of them are unmarried in this church, maybe formerly married, but now unmarried, or they've never been married, and I pray that you would minister to them in their singleness. Give them a contentment as long as you have them non-married, and I pray that they would live to the glory of God in all that they do, and I pray that you would bless them, and I pray that they would use their singleness to the glory of God and with, with great zeal and energy, and I pray that those that are married, that they would glorify you in their marriage, and their marriages would re- redound to the glory of God and the beauty of Christ in the church. And God, I I do pray that the marriages of this church would be healed, that are broken, and would grow, that are, are sound. And God, please help there. I pray that you would be with all of the families, the family lives of our churches. Please minister to us as individual families, fathers and mothers, and even with single mothers or single fathers. And and in the children, and just the, the unity within the family. I pray that it would grow into a beautiful relationships, but then also the family called Faith Church, covenanted together, right now in two services. God, minister to us as families. God, I pray for the teens. I pray that you would minister to each one of them, the unique temptations, struggles, whether it be through technology and phones, through the influences of the world through their own flesh, the the challenges, even being raised by parents who may want to please you but still struggle. God, would you work in each one of our teenagers, those that come to youth group on Wednesdays, God, those that are here this morning, those that are not, I pray that you'd minister them. I pray that they would not wander from the faith, but they would grow strong in faith. I pray that in the years to come, the adults right now, would be so blessed and we would learn from our right now teenagers. I pray that some of them would be future pastors and elders or missionaries or servants and you'd, you'd send them out all over the world to serve you or even in this community in the region. God, I pray that they would surpass us in their walk with you. God, I do pray that you would minister to them. I pray that you would help the sick and the brokenhearted and the mentally ill and the healthy and the strong and the weak and the needy and those that are feeling real self-sufficient right now and the distracted and the focused. I pray for the unsaved and lost and I pray for those that are wayward and I pray for those that are endeavoring something new. God, we just have a lot of things we need to take to you. And I pray that now that you would use this challenge this charge from this parable on prayer. Would you change our prayer lives? Remove shallowness from our prayer. Remove us from being half-hearted in our prayer. I pray that you would give us the heart and the ability to pray until we pray. 
And I pray that we, all of us in this room, would see answered prayer. We would pray to see answered prayer. We would pray to see you glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 18? I know that was a long prayer, and I am preaching on prayer. I don't apologize for the length of that prayer. I ask you to join me in studying prayer this morning. If we consider the promises that our Lord Jesus gave us about prayer and we believed them, I, I can't think of anything to devote our lives to than, than giving ourselves to the growth of real, sincere, meaningful praying. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open to you. Charles Spurgeon said this, the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a grace-o-meter for a church, and from it we may judge the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray, and if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness, a laziness in prayer. I would say that's true of individual Christians and as a congregation as a whole. George Mueller, who started many orphanages and was known for his constant prayer and seeing God do miraculous work through prayer, wrote, It is not enough to begin in prayer, nor to pray aright, nor is it enough to continue for a time in prayer, but we must wait patiently, believingly, and continue to pray until we obtain an answer. And further, we have also to believe that God hear us, and will answer our prayers. Most frequently, we fail in not continuing to pray until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. Do you pray? Do you really pray? Do you, do you set aside time to pray? This morning, I want you to see powerful story. I read one already. And that's the parable of the neighbor who has somebody knock on his door in the middle of the night, and that man says, get out of here, basically. It's, it's the middle of the night. Me and my family are asleep. You're waking us up. Just go away. And the neighbor says, no, I have, I have someone from afar just showed up. I don't have food. I need you to give me bread. And he said, no, get away. But the friend, the neighbor said, okay, I know you're going to still bother me and bother me until I get up. And I'm not doing this because you're my friend, but because you're gonna, you, you won't stop bothering me, I'll get up and do it. Now, the point of Jesus' parable was relentless, persistent prayer is the kind of prayer God wants us to have. And if a a bad friend neighbor won't do it for friendship, but for persistence, how much better or more will 
our Father in heaven who loves us. My, my challenge this morning is to pray. My challenge is to pray until you pray. What, what does that mean? That, that's an old Puritan saying or phrase. Then they would say, pray until you pray. And, and think about it. Have you, have you ever prayed and, and not prayed? <laughs> I have. You, you find yourself praying, dear Father, I pray, and then you start thinking about the rest of the day, and then you pull out your phone, and you check, oh yeah, I got that taken care of. And then you start praying again, and then you start praying again, and then you remember what happened yesterday, and then you start, and you didn't really pray. Or have you ever prayed, and maybe you were even surprised that it happened because you, you didn't expect God to answer, uh, pr- answering prayer, or were you? Sometimes we can be like the the annoying child that will ring up, come do a prank on your neighbor's house or your house, and ring the doorbell and run away. We can pray and not stick around and actually find out if God is going to answer. God wants us to pray and pray and pray. Here, there's a lot of ways that I want to challenge you this morning, and I guess. I'm going to use Jesus' words. I want you to pray. I want to pray. I want us to be as a church and individuals and as a church together. I pray that we'll always pray and not lose heart, not lose faith, not lose encouragement, not lose zeal. Look at verse 1 of Luke 18 with me. And he told a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You see that? So we even get the purpose of the parable right from the beginning. He told a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Here's Jesus' parable. He said, In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while, he refused. But afterwards, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. That, little, that word is, she, she doesn't give me a black eye, is literally almost what he's saying, by her continual coming. Now, interpretation or application. Verse 6, and the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect, his chosen, who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on the earth? He's saying here, 
I want you to pray day and night, always. And I want you to learn from this widow who was before an unjust judge, who though that unjust judge wasn't going to give him as a jerk, he was corrupt. She wouldn't stop crying out to him for justice. And finally he says, enough of it. I'm going to do it. Now Jesus' application is, your father isn't like the unjust judge, if a bad judge who would never give justice just because he wants to give justice would give justice because of her relentless pursuing and persistence in prayer, how much more will your heavenly father who is good and loving answer? Pray like that. We need to be like this widow. Are you? Uh, we, we need to, what he says here, we need to beat down through prayer. There is a type of badgering God in a sense that sounds, that sounds like bad, but there is a, there's a childlikeness that when my children want something really bad, can we, can we, can we, can we, can, when can I have the internet? <laughs> when, when can we play our game? When can we do this? And there's, they never forget, and they keep persisting, and they don't. There is a type of eagerness that God wants us to have in our prayers. Um, there, there's an old term for this. It's called importune prayer. Importune means persistent. I'm not going to give up. I am going to grab hold unto God and I'm going to say, I'm not going to let you go until you answer me unless you help me in this situation. It's a type of kind of lament. And yet it's the kind of lament that says, while I grab onto you, I submit to you. So your answer might be different than the answer that I need or want in my mind. It's what I need, but I'm going to trust you, but I'm going to seek you with all my heart. This is how we are to pray to God. Followers of Jesus must persevere in prayer. And so, Faith Church, let's pray, and let's pray always, and let's pray without losing heart. Let's pray until we pray. And this morning, I want from this text to just point out three things that compel us to pray with perseverance. Three things that compel us to pray to pray with perseverance. First of all, I want you to say, why? Okay, so the answer is, why should we pray with perseverance? What reasons should we be praying? I'm saying, commit your life. Always pray and not give up. Here are three things. Number one, we live in a fallen world until Jesus returns. And we need his help. Prayer is our constant. When we pray, prayer is going to God and asking Him for things, for help. Prayer includes offering up praise to God and adoration and giving Him thanks. But in this context, we're talking about coming to Him for help. And my first thing is, we have reason for help. No more, we don't need any other illustration than to say, 2020. 
and we look at 2020, and there's jokes and memes and stories about 2020. There's the coronavirus. There's riots. There's racial tension in our land. There's financial markets that are being impacted and up and down. What's this fall going to be like? What's the elections going to be like? We live in a world where we know we need help, and there's never been a time like now, but it always has been the case that we as believers, because we live in a fallen world till Jesus returns, we need his help. The burdens from this world outside of you coming at you Teenagers, you're going to feel it. You feel it in school. You feel it with your friends. You feel it come, and you need God's help at all times. Parents, you need this. We know from the outside world, it's coming at us. The temptations just to lure our hearts away from loving God and treasuring other things are just seeking to just choke us. And... Not only the burdens from the world in this fallen world, but burdens from our own heart. You and I are broken people. We're broken in that we are sinners and our hearts are still loving other things. And they need they should compel those things should compel us to pray. Now here's the thing is because our hearts are away from God too often and easily it's fickle, we're going off of other things, that makes it hard to want to pray. Our sin outside and our sin inside, both keeping us from wanting to pray and to seek him for his help, but we need it. You see, do you see that in the text? Don't lose heart. The reason why he says, I, I want to exhort you to pray and not lose heart is because you're tempted to lose heart. You're tempted to get discouraged, to lose faith in God. I know some of you have struggled with faith in God because you've prayed and and it seems like there was calamity. It prayed, and it didn't seem to work. This parable says, give me justice, give me justice, give me justice. Why? Because God's people are going to be persecuted. God's, Jesus is telling this story, and he's, Jesus isn't returning yet. And he knows that Christians are going to face tribulations and injustices. And you will be like David of old when he was being hunted by Saul, and he had to get on his knees and says, Give me justice in due time, David, in due time. He'll give it speedily. Till Christ comes, we live in a fallen world where things are not right. And if we open our eyes, as we grow to know this Lord and Savior, our hearts will start to live out the Beatitudes that we saw this spring, like blessed are those who mourn because we see all the suffering that's in this world the suffering from disease, the suffering from racism, hatred in our own hearts, the suffering for, for our own foolishness. We're our own worst problems, myself and you. We all are in our hearts. That our, our greatest source of discomfort to ourselves is ourselves because our hearts aren't, aren't right yet. God in his mercy will make them right. I don't have to spend a lot of time to illustrate the, the need to cry out for the world and because of the world pressing in on us, but we need to pray because there's just needs everywhere. I have needs in my own life and my own family, you know, my own mind and heart, and I bet you do too. I bet you have it in your family. I know we do in this church. I, I listed some of the needs in my pr pastoral prayer this morning. 
there are needs in your neighborhood. And as you open your eyes and start to talk to people, your hearts could just overwhelm if you're a compassionate person for the needs that are out there. Why, how could we not have reason to pray? We are compelled to pray because there is needs everywhere. People are dying. And if they die without having been forgiven by Jesus Christ because they turned to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Him and His salvation, of which I invite you today if you've never received Christ. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to make you right with God, so that someday when you face the judge, God will look at you and say, you are forgiven, you are clean, because you are wrapped in Jesus' righteousness because He died on the cross, and you received His gift of eternal life. But without that gift, every one of your friends friends or family member, if they have not been covered by Jesus, will be lost. Stats. Uh, to, to just remind you that we just have a lot of heaviness in this world to pray about. Um, 6.5 million, or, no, I'm sorry, 65 million people die in the world on average every year. That means 178,000 people in this world die every day. And during the sermon, about 7,500 people will die in this world. Um, 120 every minute. 300 every hour in the United States, if the statistics are right. And we have reason to cry out to God who brings life from the dead, who ministers to our soul in need, who preserves us and revives us and can give us a joy in the midst of this sin-plagued, heartbreaking world where we can be a light of joy because God has said, pray to me, seek me, and I will hear you and I will answer you. The first compelling reason is there's just need everywhere. The second, second reason why we must persevere in prayer, the reason that compels us to pray is pray. I need to not lose heart in this world. I need to not lose heart as a pastor sometimes. You, if your parents need to not lose heart when you're a parent sometimes, it's just so discouraging. Whatever job you have, you probably get really discouraged at times. There are some people that don't, but most get lose heart in some way or another. It could be as a grandparent or as an employee or employer. And Jesus says, you must always pray and not give up. The need for us to live by faith means we need to live by prayer. To, to a Christian, the, the equivalent of Breathing to living, praying is to a Christian. We pray, and our prayer is, Oh God, I believe, but help me, help my unbelief. Oh God, please help me today. I need to believe you. I need to see you. I need to go to you. And one of the ways that I just commend to you, young people or old people, new or young Christian, God intends for you to live a Christian life where you walk with Him. 
You don't just have some intellectual knowledge about God, but you grow to walk with him, to live having a personal relationship with him. And it happens through this book, but this book with with this book and prayer, as we go and we learn his promises, like the promises that I read this morning when he says, ask and seek and you, as we learn to know him and grow in him, we, we hear him answering and guiding and directing. Sometimes, but we got to listen. You need to stop and listen. Far too often, we just go about our days. We add a little prayer here, a little prayer there. Very little focus, giving him often the leftovers when other things get the firsts. And we need God to just, God, God walks with us as we learn to see him in our lives. Have you seen the evidences of God in your life? If you seek him with all your heart, you cry out to him in this word and in prayer like I'm talking about this morning. God will show you his presence. In Hebrews 10, it says, Yet a little while, and the coming one will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. In this passage, he ends this passage by saying, Will I find, nevertheless, when, my, when the Son of Man returns, when Jesus returns, if it comes today, or next year, or next decade, or a century from now, or whenever or when he takes you home and it's your last hour and you're going to die, it's your time to go, will he find faith in you? And his point is, you need to pray. You need to learn to know this God through prayer and seeking him with all your heart. He, he offers you to come and ask him for help, and he will meet you and help you. So we need to pray because we need more faith. Faith is seeing God as he really is. It's seeing this world as it really is. It is having new eyes, spiritual eyes. It's seeing the invisible. It's having the perspective of being able to say, I, I, I don't understand what's going on here, but, but I've learned to grow to know my Father in heaven who loves me. And for some reason, he's working all things together for good, and I just have to trust him. I don't understand what's going on here, but I have a Savior who loved me. And this Savior, Jesus Christ, in Hebrews, it says that he's always praying for me and that when I come to him, he's like in open arms, he's sympathetic, and he will give me grace and help in time of need. So he's going to help me. And Romans 8 says that I have the Spirit who who helps me in my prayers when I don't even know how to pray and I'll just groan because I feel so anxious or sad or angry and I'll cry out to him and he hears me. That only comes from from growing to pray and not giving up in our prayer and growing to know this God. And it can't happen apart from being, I, I don't think it happens apart from being part of a body of Christ, being part of a church and hearing messages together and being in small groups, whether it be Wednesdays or another small group and Bible studies together and encouraging one another. And so that with when one of you is really struggling and losing heart, the other in this church lifts them up and reminds them of those promises, not just in some cliche or platitudes, some nice little, here you go, here's, here's a nice little meme, but a relational 
I don't know what you're going through, but I, it's been hard for me at times, and I've seen God faithful. This is something that's been helpful to me, but I've seen God at work. Will we pray, Faith Church? Will you commit to pray? Ask God to help you pray for faith. Pray so that your faith will grow. We need it. You need it. Our world needs it. Your families need it. The last reason that I want to give to you of why we must pray and not give up or why we must, what compels us to pray until we pray is number three, we have a loving father who hears and answers prayer. The privilege of a loving father and a savior who actually holds our hand as we come up to the father because we timid as we are should who do we have the right to actually come to a king asking for help and our savior brings us there based on what he did on the cross and the spirit helps us with his prayers and he invites us to seek and to knock and to ask this parable reveals to us our loving god by way of contrast you see Jesus was giving us an argument from the lesser to the greater. If, if an unjust judge who neither fears God, cares about people, would relent for a widow who keeps badgering him, how much more will a loving father give grace and help to the one who asks? we find that to those who are in Christ Jesus, if God is, God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not freely give us all things? We are, when we pray, we are going to a really willing father. We didn't invent the idea of prayer. He has, he has given it to us, and he tells us all over and over again, pray to me, seek me, your own. You try to, and look how it turns out for you. Prayer is this act of dependence and knowledge and growth in a living Father who loves us and a Savior, Jesus, who has died for us and the Spirit that dwells within us. This is the kind of God that is willing that Isaiah 65 says that before we call on Him, He answers. And while we're yet speaking, He hears. He is the type of God that has given psalm after psalm to teach us the kind of God that we have. Psalm 65 says, Praise is due to God of Zion. To you shall all vows be performed, O you who hear, hears prayer. God is the prayer-hearing God. I, I'm a father. I have five kids. One is getting close to college age and uh, four of them are in the youth group. They're, they're all getting at different stages. And, and I know how selfish I am. I know how addicted to comfort I can be. How I want my plans, my control. I want all these things to work out in my way. But I also have a loved, I, an imperfect, sinful father, know how much if I could truly bring real and lasting good to each one of my children, I would do it with all my heart. As, at least as much as I can think. 
And the, the logic goes in, Le, in Luke eleven thirteen. If you, Daniel, if you put your name in there, are evil, you who are evil in comparison to God, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who seek Him or ask Him? And that might lead us to, first of all, I, I do hope that our hearts would be dominated by how much He loves us, compelling us to go to Him. I wouldn't be surprised if some are in this room saying, I've, I've tried that. And He didn't give me what I, what I asked. And I don't know your particular situation, but I do know that God has time, a timing that is hard for us to know and understand, and therefore it takes faith and relationship with Him to trust Him. There's often the times that we do not pray for things that are pleasing to Him. We, play, we pray selfishly, we pray for our own desires, or we pray for really good desires, and He just says, I love you, my timing is best, my ways are best, Trust me, I have the best intentions for you. I am working for your good. It will, you have to just wait, and I love you. And in those times, I and you have to cry out to say, okay, but give me a glimpse of your love right now. I don't, I don't feel it right now. I feel overwhelmed, but would you give me a glimpse of your kindness here in some way? And it seems like whenever he's, I've done that, and I've heard others do that, he brings a breath of fresh air. He brings some type of remembrance of promises in God's word or circumstances that says, yeah, I'm not relieving this, but I'm there for you. I'm your God. I'm going to deliver you home. I'm not giving up. I started this message by saying, pray until you pray. It was an old Puritan phrase. And... I remember hearing it, and it's always stuck out to me, and it's, it's reminded me to go, I, I, need to, I need to not just drift off in prayer, I need to just really go hard after God. I love how D.A. Carson mentions it in, a, in, a, in his little book on prayer, and he says this. He says, what the Puritans meant when they exhorted one another to pray until you pray what they meant is that Christians should pray long enough and honestly enough at a single session to get past the feelings of formalism. Have you ever felt that? Just kind of just formal, I'm just kind of going through the motions. Get past the feelings of formalism and unreality that attends not a little praying. We're especially prone to such feelings when we pray for only a few minutes, rushing to be done with a mere duty. To enter the spirit of prayer, we must stick to it for a while. If we pray until we pray, eventually we come to delight in God's presence, to rest in His love, to cherish His will. Even in dark or agonizing praying, we somehow know we are doing business with God. We are laying all our burdens on the Lord. And that doesn't happen usually in just a couple minutes. There's a reason why Jesus spent all night in prayer. It is the reason why people we, we do what we need to do. We go after the things that we know we need to do. And we need to go after God in prayer, even if that means changing 
our viewing habits, our watching TV, our, our sleep schedule so we can get up, or we, we prepare and we block times off. I, I don't think that we will do that like we want to. I won't do that if like I want to. You won't do that unless we give prayer a priority in our lives. Unless we believe these compelling reasons that God intends to use me to impact a, a suffering world and my suffering heart through prayer. And he's going to give me faith in a new way if I commit myself to prayer. And, and I get to go to a loving God who's really willing to hear and answer and give me good things in, my, in, in ways I'm going to let him define what that good is. And so we need to give ourselves to prayer. I, I think that you need to plan to pray. You need to plan a time. You need to plan a place where you're less distracted. And I would just suggest you give plan a certain amount of time and say, I'm going to go for 10 minutes today, 10 minutes a day, more than I was before, or 15 minutes a day. And I am going to make God, please help me I mean, to grow, it might feel sloppy, it might feel choppy, it might not feel like you're praying until you're praying, but God will help you. I'll help you. Others in this room who has grown in prayer will help you. We are, when we pray, we are going to a king. And so let us go to him with large petitions, his grace and I do pray that you would help us as a church Pray that you'd help us to, to always pray and not give up. There's, there's so many practical coaching things that are needed in this discussion that I just pray, God, that we would have these kind of conversations, and, but we would know that we need to pray. We need accountability to pray, or we need a place to pray, or we need a plan to pray. We need... We surely need your help to pray, Father, and I pray that we would we'd grow to walk with you. I pray that the young people in this church would grow to walk with you now. I pray that their parents would be walking with you, and if they're not, they would start walking with you now. I pray that you would be with all of the members in this church. We would walk with you through, through humble, often sloppy, struggling to be consistent, but growing prayer. Father, thank you that you are a loving God who loves us and has called us to pray to you. Help us now. Help us to, to seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we go out from this place, as we respond to the